You're listening to the CBA Podcast. We talk everything basketball, from youth club to high school to AAU. The CBA Podcast is brought to you by Chapman Basketball Academy. CBA Podcast is hosted by Terry Massey, Max Johansson, and Joe Chapman. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, please email cbapodcast32 at gmail.com. Hey, welcome everybody to today's podcast. Uh, we've got a special guest in a little bit. Uh, first of all, how's everybody doing and what you got going on for Christmas this weekend? Oh, just, you know, the usual wrapping. I'm just ready for my kids not to believe in Santa at this point. Uh, I just want them to know how much we're doing for them. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the twins are 10. Uh, they don't listen to the podcast yet. So, um, yeah, they still believe in Santa. So that's, I guess that's a good thing. But I'd be wanting to let them know, like, dude, you know. Do they take the bus? No. So no. if if you want them not to believe in Santa, just put them on a public school bus, and they'll they'll, they'll learn it within like a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kid will. That's how my kid found out. One kid was like, "You still believe in Santa? How old are you, man?" Yeah, yeah. They're at that age, you know, ten, eleven. Is like, all right, um, should we still believe in this stuff or not? Someone's got to tell them earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like first ten years, it's just a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your favorite time is just like not true. Right, right. Yeah, and we, sh- like- we should give like a, when we post this like a little disclaimer though. Like, <laughs> kids are in the car. You got to cut the first five minutes. Off. Right, right. Fast forward to ten. Fast yeah. forward. Fast yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So today uh, we're gonna have a talk with our special guest here. This young man is averaging twenty-eight points a game. Uh, he just scored 37 in his last game, breaking the all-time boys' scoring record. Um, Joe calls him an ad- automatic bucket. Uh, he's all-time boys' most field goals, uh, most steals, uh, most career rebounds. Um, he's a 6'4 senior out of Grafton, Michael McNabb. Welcome. How are you guys doing? Yeah, the automatic bucket. I, we had Mike for so long, I don't ever remember running one play for Mike, but he's going to score. <laughs> You know, 28 to 30 every game. <laughs> you don't even need to call a play for him. He's going to get some buckets. <laughs> Maybe got more efficient over, over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just got more efficient as, as he got older. <laughs> so um, a couple questions that we want to kind of get into is, you know, you started, I remember you, so uh, 
St. Paul Grafton when I saw you in sixth, seventh grade, and you're knocking down three pointers. I, I knew you were the real deal. Um, talk about a little bit how you started out and your passion and what led you to kind of where you are now. Um, when I was really young, I, like third and fourth grade was when I really started taking basketball seriously. And we had another another guy on my team that was really good. He ended up moving after my fourth grade year, and that's when I kind of became like the best player on my team. And I knew I had to do a lot more, and that's kind of when I started taking things really serious. And that's kind of when I started realizing kind of the potential that I had, and that's kind of when all that started for me. And I just kind of fell in love with it from that point on and everything fell into place do you remember why it was basketball your dad your mom or just it was one thing that they signed you up for um my dad my dad played basketball and he played at uwm and i mean he always was the one that was would take me to the gym and stuff like that like i played i played football up until seventh grade and i kind of after that point, it was strictly basketball. Like Basketball was the sport that I always say that I was motivated to go work on outside of practice times more than other sports, and that's kind of just kind of how things started. And what was like when, when you were younger, what was your niche when you were on a basketball court? Like what do you felt like, you know, in third, fourth, fifth grade as you was learning the game, like, wow, I'm really good going right with my right hand or, you know, my hook shots or things that you really good at now. When did you start developing that? Um, I was always good with my right hand, and I, I'd say I'm a lot better with my right hand now <laughs> than my left, which is weird for being a lefty. But yep. I just think because I was taught, you know, so many kids are taught things with their right hand. Yep. And I just kind of really didn't even think about that, and that's I worked on it so much that – it's just kind of what I'm even better at now. And I would just say, you know, driving to the right, I could shoot. Not, nothing much in the mid-range at, at a younger age. But I just think one thing that set me apart when I was really young and even now is just my confidence that I had. Mm-hmm. I just, every everything you'd throw at me, it just, it really wouldn't matter. Just I was supremely confident. I think that's what set me apart from a lot of and, kids. And age. what would you tell kids that's starting to play in that third, fourth, fifth grade range of finding a niche and, you know, finding that confidence, what would you tell, give that advice to them? Kind of just don't, don't like force it. You kind of just kind of got to let it come to you and don't, don't try to be somebody that you're not and don't try to be a player that you're not. And the things you want to get better at this, obviously you just have to work on it day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And you played, uh, when did you start? Uh, doing AAU, what what age group did you start? I think between my third and fourth grade year, I played for the Wisconsin Shooters. I played with them for a couple of years, so that's that was my first team that I played for. Then I went over to Chapman, and then I went to Phenom, and then back to Chapman. So that was my whole AAU career. That was actually one of my questions. Uh, I know you were with Joe for a while, and then you left and you came back. What has the relationship between you and CBA meant to you? And that decision to come back and that process. I mean, it's just it's just been incredible for me, you know, just having someone like him there for me and just even when I was not on his team, the like our relationship stays the same and we, I, I could always count on him and talk to him about anything that I needed and I mean, I remember when I left that we had that like agreement that mm-hmm. if anything had transpired there that I'd 
have immediately have a spot back with him because we built that relationship there and we built something special and I'm just I'm glad with the way it worked out because I I kind of knew that I would I would go back <laughs> and have to finish it out there and I just am thankful for everything he's done for me and stuff but, like that. But I think that's the important part for a lot of athletes and kids. We're going to do a you know a, a show on that with the um program, you know, jumping to place to places. We're very different than most programs where people look at that as a slap in the face when a kid leaves because it's about them and not the kid. You know, when when one of our better players leave, we, we embrace that. It's like, go for it. You know, you deserve this. You know, and we're not going to treat you different when you walk through the door. I, I see that, though. <laughs> I see other players that I know have played for you, and they're with other programs. Yeah. And they're still in this gym. Right. Shooting around. And right. you're giving them a high five, asking yep. them how things are going. And, yep. You know. Because I think that it speaks more to <laughs> our characters as adults. And it speaks more to... Uh, it's not about who you play for. It's about their parents, their kids, their development. If you do it the right way, it doesn't matter who someone plays for because you're there for them regardless of the process of who they play for. And I will say 95% of this world in AAU, it's not like that. If you don't play for them, they are against you. They will badmouth you. They will curse your name. They won't invite you to places. They will lock you out of the gym. You can't come in here. They will use that against these kids. So, you know, these kids are vulnerable to that, you know. So, you know, when when we first started, we knew Michael was special. <laughs> in sixth grade, we saw that kid playing. It was like, well, we – I mean, we scored 60 in a game. He's got like 40. You know, Tim wasn't Tim yet. Nolan wasn't Nolan yet. You know, Michael was just a special talent at an early age that you just haven't seen, a freak of nature. And uh, he knew it. You know, he knew he was like, well, you know, nobody can stop me right now. <laughs> so he, he going to the gym. And he knows his stats. He's one of those kids. He was like 12. He's like, I think I scored like 38, coach, in this game. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I think you did too. <laughs> um, and that was the fun part of, like, getting to know the kids and know their characters and stuff like that. Um I also think our relationship grew when when COVID hit. You know, there was, you know, a lot of my questions are, you know, when COVID hit, how did you adjust to not being able to get in the gym, keeping your motivation the same? Uh, I remember working out on Zoom. I think it was hailing outside or snowing. Yeah, and, yeah Mike, I remember that. and Mike's out on a Zoom. You know, I'm, I'm giving him directions, and you know, it's hail coming down, and he's still he's still doing the drills over Zoom, uh, um, and that's just the motivation this kid had of you know wanting to be something different than his peers, and I think that's it kind of shows. But I want you to kind of touch on what did COVID do to you, and and what you learned from that year, and from the recruiting process, how that helped or hurt, and also from your own development as a person. Um, well, during COVID, I it was it was during the summer months when it first started, so I was able to you know go outside and do all that. But obviously, that's not in a in a gym setting. But yeah. it it really helped me kind of change my my jump shot was mm-hmm. way down kind of by my hip, and that's kind of the change the biggest change that happened over that period of time was I got it above my head. It maybe got it a little too far above my head at that mm-hmm. point, but that was the biggest change that I remember and i think it just helped with um just falling in love with the game even more because you're just by yourself no one around you you can't get in the gym it just kind of mm-hmm. showed how much i i really love the game just 
going outside every day, multiple right. times a day. It's kind of just all you did at that point because, I mean, you, you do school for a couple hours and yep. then got the rest of the day to yourself to do. <laughs> right. not do much. And I think it just helped with my character because it helped me mature and mm-hmm. kind of realize that a lot of if where I want to go with the sport is – pretty much based on me and my motivation and my mm-hmm. mentality that I have because, you know, no one around you is going to help you as you get older mm-hmm. with that part of it. So I kind of just went off on my own and, and that and, point. And where did that work ethic come from? Is that your parents installed that in you or is that something you kind of learned over time? My parents my parents always instilled in me just you, nothing's going to be given to you. Mm-hmm. And they've built that into me from a young age. And I think one of my best assets – of basketball is my work ethic Mm -hmm. and one like the biggest thing the last about five months leading up to the season since july i i couldn't tell you what inside of me happened but it was probably it was the one of the hardest five months of my life in Mm -hmm. terms of just consistent every single day schedule like i'd wake up every day before school at 4.55 4.55 a.m. I go to the gym from 5 to 6.15, go through school, come back. I'd lift weights at like 3, go home, do homework, rest, eat, and then I'd go back to the gym again and stuff like that. And I did that every single day. And I think right now I'm showing showing kind of yeah. how it paid off for me. And it's just it's just the internal motivation that you have to get better every day and like my parents obviously instilled that into me and my coaches you guys have too and it's now it's just it's kind of who you are rubbed off on me <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's just something that's become second nature yep. something i love to do so yep you kind of uh showed us a little bit like your day to day how do you prepare for game days and how do you recover after a game um my game day is you know i kind of i just get up in the morning go to school we have shoot around right after school and then I usually go get something to eat. I don't usually go home on game days. I usually kind of just stay at the school. I'll go to, I usually go to the weight room or the locker room. I'll kind of take like a little, a little nap or something like that before a game. (laughs) Yep. And then, you know, we watch JV, then halftime go stretch and stuff like that. But it's nothing, nothing too crazy on a game day. What's the pregame meal? I'm usually either I go to Jimmy John's or this will this will surprise a lot of people. I go to Qdoba before a game. Oh yeah. So that's that's usually my two biggest spots that I'll go to, and I've done it for pretty much the past three years. <laughs> there you go. Pre-game ritual, music. Um, yeah, just the normal. You got a set playlist every time, or it changes? It it changes. It's changed over the past couple years, and you know it changes on the week sometimes. The day, the week, the yeah. hour. Uh-huh. Right. So you're very successful. Of course, in the high school game and awesome at the AU game. How do you approach both games? Like, do you approach your high school game a little differently than you do your AAU games and preparation? How do you how do you balance the both as the way you play? I mean, I wouldn't say that I approach them differently. Like, obviously, it's two really different atmospheres of mm-hmm. playing. Where whereas AAU is a big recruitment period. And then whereas high school is just you're you have all your classmates and all like mm-hmm. a, like a really good atmosphere with people watching and stuff like that. So I don't really approach it differently. I kind of just go out there and look at it as just going out there and playing basketball and, you know, executing what you've worked on thousands upon thousands of times. And yeah, so I just don't I don't really look at anything differently. 
You like the high school atmosphere better, or? Well, I mean, obviously, but it's. I mean, I would say AU is a lot more stressful, mm-hmm. a lot more stressful on the mind, just with recruitment and stuff, and like based based on how you play in a game, you you have eyes on you that can potentially determine your future and stuff like that. So, yeah. During the high school game, okay, so you're you're committed, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where are you going? So I'm going to Northern Michigan. How was that process, the choice? And um, it was a very stressful time. <laughs> it was a very stressful time, especially in that late July. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the head coach, I've he was the first one to contact me of any school back in like sophomore year. He's the first coach to ever contact me and our relationship he has had by far the best relationship with me throughout the three years, texting me, calling me, stuff like that. So I'm just really happy I'm happy with my decision mm-hmm. and it's gonna be the best for me in the long run and that it's just it's gonna be the best for me in the long run. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing that we want all of our kids is like go through the process. But who are the coaches that are really diving into you like getting you better like reaching out and see how you are at every game they see all your good games your bad games your in-between games I mean some of these coaches um especially Matt at Northern Michigan he was probably at 70 80 games yeah I was just about to Uh, say something about that he was at 8 a.m 10 p.m yeah it didn't matter and so for me you know when I see stuff like that that's way more important than you know where you're going it's more so Who's going to be there for you as a person and seeing your downfalls, what they can help you with, but also, you know, they, you know, that they care and we want to send our kids where we know they're going to be taken care of. And that's the most important thing. Cause at the end of the day, those three, four years that you at the university um, will determine your life. You know, after that, you, you got a whole alumni base that you're going to tap into. That's going to take care of you for the rest of your life. After going through the recruiting process, you say stressful. What is one piece of advice you would tell your younger classmen? Um, just just go out there and just play basketball. You kind of have to drown out all that stuff. I mean, I fell victim to sometimes just paying too much attention to who's watching me and stuff like that. Kind of just go out there and look at it as another game. And you know I mean, because it is. I mean, you don't really have to put too much pressure on yourself to succeed and. When you're playing loose and relaxed is when you play your best. And that's kind of the advice that I'd give to Yeah. And, and also, when, you, when you are, you, you're part of the 1% of people who are playing on the next level, a scholarship level. Um, but you're also part of the 1% who are really good at a young age. Um, a lot of people got better as they got older. You are one of the people who are really good young and had to maintain and get better um, as you got older which is tricky too because some people they plateau in 7th 8th grade when they're really good and that's that's their career that's you know what they hang they hat on how good they were um so you're in a tricky spot where you saw your classmates start to get better too mm-hmm. and you had to adjust your game to the levels of where they were too yep. and you had to keep getting better too so talk talk a little bit about playing with talent around you and how you had to adjust from being a child star who was averaging 40, 50 points a game <laughs> to being on a team like this year where you have four people average 14, 15 points a game. I mean, yeah, obviously when I was really young, I was pretty much a level ahead of a lot of a lot of people around me. 
And I think me, I think we, we've talked about this many times before, mm-hmm. me leaving your program the first time, mm-hmm. I think allowed for growth among yep. everybody else on that team. And then when I came back, it just made for something special. Yep. And I went through a, a little rough stretch pretty much my f- freshman freshman year, freshman summer. And I remember I was like coming into high school, I was ranked in the top like five. Mm-hmm. I was top five in my class. And then after my freshman year and freshman summer, I was – I think I dropped all the way to like 22nd. And you mm-hmm. know, that that's a big confidence thing for someone like that at that age. But then I just remember, you know, I had to get back. I had to get back on track and, you know, just kept working. And then sophomore year is kind of when I kind of blew up again yep. and got back to where I needed to be. Yep. And it's just, it's amazing to see the people around you kind of start to, you see their whole transformation, right. and then right. it, it's really—it's a beautiful thing because when you see that, it, it also motivates you to get better at the same time because yep. you're seeing them reach their potential, and then it just—it rubs off on you and it yep. inspires the next person. The next yeah, person, so that—that that was probably the pretty cool thing for me growing up is you—you you take little bits of pieces from different players that that you see that they're really good at and you you won't be as good as what they are and what they do but you try to implement little pieces of what they do you know into their games so I, I take that instance for Michael is a three-level score so he can post up he can drive he can shoot threes so well he's playing with players who are one of the best shooters in the state Tim Franks and one of the best drivers in the state Nolan Minasali so how do you add to what they do to your own game so being a three-level scorer he can see what they do really well and say, okay, I got to add little pieces. I'm not going to be what they are, but I can add to what I already do to try to be a little bit of what they do. And I think that's the fun part of seeing um, three-level scores is add little pieces, you know, to their game. You know, and you see it on all levels. When guys play with Ray Allen, they start to do little things that Ray Allen did, even if, even if they're slashers or stuff like that. So I, I think that's pretty cool to – to see the uh, progression of players as they continue to grow and get older, of uh, keep adding little pieces to that game. We talked a little bit uh, before uh, we started this and talking about Tim, how happy you were for him, seeing what he's doing. Um, he's your teammate during the summer. Um, he's your competitor during the season. Yep. How do you, how do you approach that game? What do you guys talk? Do you guys? You know. I mean, we're both really busy throughout the high school season, obviously, with our respective teams. But, I mean, I don't really approach it. I don't approach it differently. Um, but I think when me and him play against each other, we bring the best out of each other. And you've seen that in the games that we've had against each other. Um, and I think this year you'll you'll see the best out of both of us. And we're both at the peak of our high school careers right now. So I think it'll be a, it'll be a really fun game. I'm excited for it. I think both teams are motivated and just excited to get out there and play against each other so <laughs> the funny part about those two guys is that they they come 30 minutes early to to everything it, it can be a shoot around it can be practice it can be just hanging around in the office to watch film they're here 30 minutes early um to everything you you know we preach you know being on time is 15 minutes early. Um, that means most of the guys roll in about five minutes beforehand. <laughs> but these guys, they, they come in 30 minutes before. So they, they were built differently, you know, when it comes to AAU games, to 
their approach to the game was already college-like. So these guys are already – their mentality is already where it should be, you know, once a freshman gets to college. So it's kind of fun to see those guys go at each other. But it's also fun when you, when they're teammates because those two are totally different than um, the 30 other guys that's on both teams. They're just – wired differently so that one percent of players you can kind of tell like they just wired you know uh, a certain way to be successful and it's funny to see that you know play out when they play each other in the games and stuff mm-hmm. i got kind of a crazy question so i get a kick out of uh student sections right always harassing <laughs> and i told you a little bit what yeah. i what i saw during the uh that homestead game or whatever um against cedarburg how do you how do you how does that happen in your head like when they're really on you and stuff does that motivate you you know i mean obviously does it affect it, you you know i wouldn't say it really affects me i just say um when i have it going i'll start like getting into it with them a little <laughs> just a little bit because i mean i know a lot of people in a lot of the student sections like port washington cedarburg homestead like i know a lot of people and it's just kind of jawing at your friends and stuff like that. And it's just a great atmosphere. I think it adds to just, you know, the motivation to towards the game. And it just adds to the fun of it and brings out the best out of the player's plan. Now that, now that you're committed, uh, you know what you're doing next year. What is your mentality now after school? Like, do you, what's your preparation going to be? How are you going to approach it? What do you think you need to do? Um, do you think you're like, is it kind of like starting over, right? High school's over. It's a new challenge. How are you going to approach that? Um, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to approach it the way I normally do. Just, you know, just working every single day consistently. But I mean, obviously I'm going to have to like work on not being guarded the way I'm guarded in high school, obviously, because I'm used to a lot of boxing ones and stuff like that. Guys denying me the ball. I'm going to have to do a lot moving without the ball and working on stuff like that, catch-and-shoot opportunities, because in high school I really don't get many catch-and-shoot opportunities, especially with a guy guarding me that close all the time. So that's a that's a big part of it, you know, just adding strength, speed, and everything in the weight room. That's going to be a big part of it. And, you know, just getting everything good and confident for going into college because that's what I'm going to need. And I'm excited for it. I can't wait to get working towards that and get up there. What would you say to him, Max, as a guy who coaches college right now? Yeah, I think the number one, I had the question written down, like his num- Mike's number one thing will be his work ethic no matter where he goes. So I'm not, I would never worry about Mike um, doing that, but I think he brings up a good point in making sure in a lot of ways it may be easier to play. And so you're not face guarded, you're playing without the ball a little bit, you don't have all the stress on you. Um, but I would just go in with an open mind it will be a new system it will be new teammates it will be new new everything and soak it all in learn as much as you can especially in those first couple months and ask a ton of questions to the upperclassmen yep. be a sponge mm-hmm. get on their get on the same page with them if if the leading scorer is going in the gym you're like right there next to him rebound it for him and then vice versa um just soak it all in yep. it should be a good experience yeah. and from a guy who went to the probably the biggest one of the biggest colleges in the country, Joel, uh, you guys have probably already you probably already gave him advice. But what's the biggest piece of advice you can get to give him to him? Yeah, just like Max said, you got to be a sponge going into the door, um, going in not having an expectation of being the man is learning the process of it. 
Um, I was 17, 18, learning from guys that's, you know, I had five, six NBA guys, just learning a process. Um, And that's what you want. Like, you want to go through there learning how to be successful, just like you were a freshman on at Grafton. You know, you learn from those upperclassmen how to be successful. So I think that's the biggest thing for all of our kids that's going to college is going through with a learned mentality, a work ethic, uh, being around the right people who's going to keep pushing you, um, but also ask a ton of questions to your coaches, um, get a rapport with the assistant coaches, um, and really dive into what you got to do to be successful. And a lot of these guys that we have and girls, they are already a part of the 1% that want to be successful. And I think that's what's going to help you know, them uh, continue down their path of what they're trying to do. Um, and I think that's what's going to help, you know, a lot of these guys out. I, I had a question for him is what, what does that scoring record mean to you um, that you just broke uh, last week? And we touched on you got the rebounding record already. And what was that steals? Assists, too? assists steals. I mean, you, you're all over Grafton um, <laughs> right now. So what what does that stuff mean to you? Obviously, you're still playing right now, so you don't have a lot of time to reflect on it. But, you know, just take a second to think about all the great players that came through um, Grafton and for you to be up there with some of the greats and be, you know, recognized already um, with being almost halfway through your senior year. You should, you know, feel proud about it. But how do you feel about it? No, obviously it feels amazing, and you just kind of reflect on how far you've come because a couple of years ago, like, I never thought that I would be in this position. Like, you see you see all those records and stuff, and you're just like, could could that be me? You just mm-hmm. ask yourself those kind of questions, and you just don't think those things are possible, but as you keep chipping away and keep working, like, those things start to unfold in front of your eyes yep. and stuff like that. Like, it feels amazing just being up there and mentioned with the names that came through there. A lot of success, a lot of very successful people that have came through there, and it's just it, it feels amazing. Yeah, and that's how I viewed it the same way. It, when when I came in as a freshman, I looked you you look at those banners and you see the the all state players, you see the scoring records, you see this and that. And as a freshman who is goal oriented and structured and disciplined, you you're trying to figure out can I get on that board? And I, I still remember my coach. Um, he didn't have an all state player for over. 10 years a decade so it was a gap it was 1990 and it was no one so I was you know 2002 was the next person to get up there so all this talent that came through and no one was getting on that board for all state for records so I was like how can I be different how can I get on that board and how can so as a goal-oriented person you're trying to figure out know how to make this stuff happen and you don't think it's possible but as you start chipping away you're like wait a minute um, it, I think I could do this. And I think that's that's part of the individual inside of the team sport that you got to have um, that motivation of trying to do something special. Cool. Yeah, hey, uh, it's, it's a pleasure watching you play. Like I said, I've, I remember you in 6th, 7th, 8th grade at St. Paul. You know, my daughters were there, and I know your sister a little bit and what she's doing and stuff, and it's pretty awesome, awesome what you're doing. So congrats on everything. and Thank you, thank you. Can't wait to see what the future brings for you and 
it'll be it'll be awesome and i'm sure joel will be calling you up in four years to come back and be a main coach oh yeah yeah he's gonna, <laughs> gonna be a coach a motivational speaker you know all type of stuff we're gonna have mike doing he's already a camp he works camps for us <laughs> you know he does all that stuff already um it's just a part of his dna it's a huge um, pleasure to have him in our program finishing with us um great parents great sister sister played for us as well um, it's just a basketball family, and we're proud of where he is and where he's at and what legacy he's leaving for Grafton, um, but also just a young man and individual he is and um, what he speaks for us. I mean, he's a big fabric of who CBA is and how we started, and we want all of our kids to aspire to be someone like you. So um, we're, we appreciate you know where you're at, and we're going to look forward to watching these next three, four years because just like these records are being broken here, I think you're going to be doing the same thing there as well. Uh, it's just who he is since he was a youngster. I mean, he can put the points up better than anybody I know. So um, thanks for doing a podcast for us, and we appreciate, appreciate it. You got one more thing to add to your resume. First ever CBA podcast guest. Yeah, you go. I'm not sure where that ranks, but we can throw it on there. Nowhere yet. <laughs> Correct. We do we do a couple other things that we're going to be doing in the podcast. We do a segment called Chalk Talk, and then we do a player profiles gotcha. and some games of the week and stuff. So you can stick around for that and put a little input to be insinuating input. Awesome. Uh, we can start with our Chalk Talk. A couple questions. Um, people must have listened to our parents segment. Um, I pay sometimes very high admissions to AU attorneys. <laughs> Why are the costs so high? <laughs> uh, where should we go with this answer? <laughs> because yeah, 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 this is not a good answer. It's not a good question. Uh, it's a good question, but it, the answer is very tricky. Um, obviously, uh, one of the answers is you know the people who run it. You know they they can make their own rules of the admissions. They they can pick and choose. It's their it's, the, it's their business. So they can they can choose how much they want to do. And, and the tricky part is depending on what time you come during the day, the price may change. So it might be twenty bucks during the day. You come you come in the afternoon time. It might be five bucks. I've had people um, bitch about ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. you understand that they got to pay referees. Yeah. Yes, you know it's it. You got concessions. You yeah. got, I mean, there's and, and, and it's a lot of costs. So, you know, to really answer that question, being a director who who runs tournaments, you know, we got an overhead. So we, we got to pay the janitors. We got to pay the referees. We got to pay um, per the courts that we use, you know, per hour. Um, so you got to pay security. Um, because at most of these events, you got to have security there too. Um, you got to pay your employees. You got to play your employees, the people who's working the emissions for you, the concessions for you. Um, so it's a lot that's involved inside of that. So that that's what that price comes from. So it might be ten, it might be five, it might be twenty. It just depends on the um, recruiting period. You know, everything kind of jumps during different time slots. Do do coaches um, who come and watch, or, or the clubs who are asking them to come and watch, or the tournaments directors, who, do they got to cover anything for the coaches, or is that just all on them? The uh, coaches as far as college? Yeah, who are coming to watch. Oh yeah, you pay you pay a hefty amount for a uh, <laughs> pack of paper and <laughs> like $150 for rosters, numbers, Yep, and then that's like, they don't like you said, they don't pay for travel to get in there. You're driving up there. Obviously, most universities take care of that. Mm-hmm. But just the packet of paper 
but you know most of the guys you're going to recruit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't. They won't. A lot of places won't even let you in unless you buy the packet, mm-hmm. reg- regardless of whether you need it or not. Like half the coaches don't use the packet, but that's what you have to do to get in. Yep. I mean, if you're paying ten dollars, I mean, don't be complaining. Go down to uh, Kentucky and Chicago, <laughs> and you're paying fifty, seventy-five dollars. Yeah. But I mean that that there you got you know one area has got forty courts. And, <laughs> right. You know, right. It's just, yeah, and it's not even that. I mean, it's it's also you you're paying for parking in some of these bigger events. Yeah. You got to pay for parking, and then it's it's um, stay to play. So they tell you where you got to stay, the hotels you got to stay in. So it's it's tricky to landscape. You know why the cost it is because there's a lot behind it. As a parent, I just look at it. I'm investing in my my kid i look at it a little bit differently you know i'm taking my kid on a weekend they're playing basketball we're out there to have fun too mm-hmm. it's a family experience right don't think of it as money think of it as you're investing into your i'm child. sending my kid with you then yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the parents that you know that treat it that way they they have the most fun you oh, know yeah. so yeah, i, I know parents time. that go fishing everywhere they go to bleasners you know they they find somewhere to go fishing you know, so the the parents and people who view the trip as a family thing and not just the basketball experience, you're going to see the cities, you're going to hang out, then you get much more out of it than, you know, if you're viewing that $20, that's just that, more so than the whole family is going to be in St. Louis having, you know, a good time. So it's just different the ways you view it. Uh, that leads us to our next segment. Uh, we got we can do either players of the week or games of the week. Why don't we start with uh, players of the week? And Michael probably may know a couple of them if he wants to give a little insight into them too. So yeah, we had a couple guys that has a couple milestones um, this week alone. That's all been, Tuesday night. I think we <laughs> all had three, on Tuesday, three night. On Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, which which was pretty cool. Um, uh, Hudson Torres out of Bigfoot. Um, he scored his thousand point. Uh, like I said, he's a multi-sport athlete. He could have easily got a, you know, scholarship to play basketball somewhere. Um, he's doing big things for Bigfoot. Scored over a thousand this week. Um, Isaiah Allen at Milwaukee Lutheran. Um, he had a whole shoot. He he already knew he was scoring a thousand, so he had people <laughs> ready to record him. You know, score his thousand point. He had twenty seven that day. They only have eight or nine people. Yeah, he's in a. a- yeah, the ninth person. Do you have someone ninth? recording you, Michael, on, on that 37 break in the... I mean, we we didn't really think... I, it would have been really tough for me to hit that, especially with we didn't have my teammate Juan with yeah. us that night, and especially I remember watching Hartford play Homestead and how they guarded... Boxing one. And how they guarded Tim, especially with those type of guys around, yeah, yeah. around him. I was just kind of... It, it would have been really tough because I needed 27 going in to break the record, and it would... I didn't really think I was going to get it because I remember <laughs> about 12 minutes into the game, I only had four. Yep, yep. And I, I didn't really have many shots. So I was just kind of trying to find my teammates. I wasn't able to – I was being denied the ball. But yep. then everything kind of started flowing after that. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Like when you know you're close, it's like, man, I want as many people there as I can. I want to record it. I want to have that moment, you know, forever. So it's pretty cool to see three people already inside of our program. Um you know, have that thousand point mark. 
at, or, you know, breaking school records. So that's pretty cool. College teammates, too. Yeah, college Isaiah. teammates. Yeah, we didn't even mention that. Isaiah and Michael both going to Northern Michigan. Seemed like we're just pairing them off, you know, yep. two and two. Tim and Nolan. Up Tim and Nolan. Thomas. And it's just, it's just a lot, you know, that we have different pairs like that. So yeah. it's it's pretty cool season to see for our CBA players. Yeah, cool. Hudson's actually the, Hudson's the sixth player in mm-hmm. Bigfoot history to score 1,000. Isaiah is the ninth yep. player to score. Wow. So it's amazing. How, how many more do you need, Michael, for uh, all time at Crafton? I want to say Hannah is about a hundred thirty or something okay. away from me. So, and Hannah was a monster. I yeah. mean, she was one of our favorite kids to coach. She was one of my first kids I ever had that came and trusted CBA as a sixth, seventh grader. She she was amazing to be around. That she's a part of that one percent who done extra and yep. she's I have amazing. a little insight into her my daughter uh was her teammate since fourth grade yep all the way up through high school and uh yeah i mean she's she's unbelievable <laughs> and that girl scored a lot of her points like you were seeing at hartford right yep. you know, she was the main girl yep. on yep. that team and she was doubled and yep I mean, offense or defenses just work their game around. Correct. Guarding her, so yep. it was pretty hard for her to score, and she she did it right. <laughs> right. So, and I remember all the times that you'd have me play one on one against her. Oh yeah, at like yeah. Lumen Christie <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I just remember all those times. And when I was really young, like sometimes I'd go when I didn't have practice or something, I'd go shoot around at my sister's practices because my dad yeah. was the assistant coach on that team, so I'd go there. And I just remember. Their practice was like seven to nine, so we'd be there from mm-hmm. seven to nine, and it was at GES, mm-hmm. which was it's just torn down now. And I just remember seeing Hannah and her dad there every single time when that ended at nine o'clock, and that's like seeing people like that and their work ethic is something that motivated me growing up and just seeing her and seeing where she's at now and me possibly being able to pass her uh, like on the scoring list would be something amazing and yeah. really kind of. Um, be a humbling experience and just kind of reflect on how far yep how far i've come and that's awesome uh games of the week games of the week we got a bunch of them this week (laughs) yeah the the rick majeris shootout which is also an awesome event where they get a bunch of the state's top teams from like all divisions division four three two one um the 27th through the 29th which is wednesday through friday of next week yep um we got Onalaska versus Grafton on the 27th at 9.15 p.m. A little primetime matchup there. December 28th, you got Marquette versus DePier. I think those are the top two teams in the state right now, at least ranking-wise. Yeah, yeah. so. In D1. In D1. Um, we got Anthony Rise, a 2025 point guard. They play Oshkosh North on the 28th uh, right after that. And then Derek Johnson and Dominican will play Nicolay. Um, at 7.45. So that's three right in a row Yep. Um, on Thursday, December 28th. And then Friday gets even better. We got uh, Kai Joseph and Pius. They're playing Xavier at 3.15 on Friday, December 29th, followed by Pewaukee versus Marquette, DePierre versus Homestead, and then St. Thomas Moore versus Nicolet. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's four straight. Or four straight. Like, Six High of the level. best teams in the state. Yeah. So that's just up the road here in Mequon at Concordia, Wisconsin. Yep. 
So, so you'll be playing on the big college court, Michael. You're going to be knocking them down from the college three or the high school. Three? I mean, when I play on courts like that, you tend to kind of you just, do you kind of just tend to you see. be back there. <laughs> yep, yep, and stuff like that. You kind of just play off of that line. The spacing is better, but the field goal percentage drops <laughs> a lot lower for teams because everyone's playing that line, you know, because that. So your spacing and getting to the rim is so much better. But, you know, your knockdown shooting can take a little hit. <laughs> you got to be endurance too, right? Because it's a yeah. longer court. Longer court. And... 84 to 94. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, so that'll do it for our show today. We appreciate it again, Michael. Pretty awesome insight and stuff and can't wait. And tell all your friends to follow and share the podcast. Perfect. Yep. Thanks for, thanks for having me. You know, so. Thanks a lot, everybody. Take care. And, Thank you. Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays.